The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. And uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, you can see that we have a, uh, what do they call this in television? A uh, four? Is this a four? What is this? This has to be, there's some technical TV term for this, right, Kevin? It's a very, a very technical term. It's called a four box. Four box. <laughs> we are going four box here uh, on Tim Graham and Friends. We've uh, recruited another friend. Uh, to join Jonah Bronstein and Matthew Fairburn. It is Kevin Connors, Sports Center anchor, uh, among other things, at the Worldwide Leader of Sports. He's not just a Sports Center anchor. In fact, he's uh, coming to us right now from the the baseball set, and right. uh, he's on call uh, in case something happens with the Little League World Series, uh, getting you to the uh, Dodgers-Padres game tonight, uh, if you happen to be listening tonight. Um, Kevin, thanks for doing this. Tim, I'm, I'm just psyched that I'm a friend. I'm, ex I'm excited that I have three more friends here. I'm thrilled to be one of the end friends today and, and talk Bills football. We joked around about it beforehand. Uh, any excuse to talk Bills football to me is a really good one. The AF per, uh, uh, portion of TGAF is the strongest <laughs> portion of TGAF. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here to bolster things. Um, your beloved Buffalo Bills, uh, you grew up on Long Island. Yep. Uh, went to Ithaca College, but I'm, it, I'm assuming it was a timing thing, but the Giants were pretty good when you were growing up too. How does, let's just state for the record for those uh, who are familiar with your Bills fandom, but how you got there uh, and didn't gravitate towards the Giants. Even the Jets were pretty good for a while there. And the Jets um, were kind of, are kind of the Long Island team. Right. Right. So, uh, so I, as you say, I'm a Long Island guy. Uh, my dad is from central New York, though. He's from the uh, just just outside the Utica area, a small town called Ilia, New York. And he's a Buffalo Bills fan dating back to the to the start of the AFL. So I be I had no choice. Right. I mean, I'm a Bills fan from birth and um, I've got I've come. It's funny. We just moved my parents from Long Island up here to Connecticut. And so I've come across boxes and boxes of, of old pictures and I've come across so many where I'm wearing the OJ Simpson jersey on Christmas day 1980 um, or whatever it is so yeah lifelong Bills fan and again in, in enemy territory Jets and Giants country as a kid and of course now here in New England so I mean I've really picked the spots to be in enemy territory but um, but it's been great it's it's uh, had its great highs and definite lows but uh, I wouldn't change a thing. Did you have the orange OJ Simpson football like I did by any chance? It was no. It was a Wilson NFL, but it was orange and it had an OJ Simpson signature on it where the I guess the Pete Rosell signature would be. And it was my mom got it for me as uh no, this is a tangent. 
but you mentioned the OJ Simpson jersey growing up. I always wondered if anybody else out there had one. I had one in, in Cleveland, and it was so we could – the theory was you could play at night a little bit better because the ball, ball was orange. Anyways. I did, I did not have that football. What it's I did have I, – I can remember clearly we got these like um, – I'm going to say dolls and that's the wrong, like, 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 but they're not, they weren't figures. They were a little bit bigger. They were like, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, not quite a foot, maybe like eight inches. Right. But you could put different, uh, you know, stickers on them, but it came with the number 12 Joe. Fer- so I got Joe Ferguson, uh, a Joe Ferguson Bills doll. That that's, that's the closest thing I got to what you're talking about. Right. I, oh, I had those two. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just generic. There was a white one and a black one. And yep. you threw the stickers on it. You can make it, you know, you were, you were stuck, you know, and they had the double bar face masks. So you could go ahead and get your Steelers 75, but he was going to have a Terry Bradshaw face mask on. <laughs> exactly. That uh, didn't, didn't quite translate. Um, so Kevin, your excitement about your Buffalo bills heading into a season in which they are legitimate contenders. They have a quarterback who is a legitimate MVP candidate. Um, set the stage for your, your expectations or slash enthusiasm for 2021. Yeah. Stunning Tim to even be saying those things, right. Given, you know, what uh, the previous 20 years uh, have been, but you know, we, I think we talked about this last year. Certainly I did with other people like, you know, Hey, what's the expectation? Should we be thinking it's, it's AFC East um, or it's a disappointment. And I remember saying last year, yeah, you're damn right. You know, like this is where we're at with the franchise right now. They were at that point. And obviously they fulfilled that and made it all the way to the AFC championship game. So is it crazy to think Super Bowl champions or it's a disappointment? To me, it's not. I, and I, I like that that's the expectation. I think that that's where this franchise is after obviously a long, long time of not even being able to say anything like that at all. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's much of the same team that they had a season ago. These guys have gotten that experience of playing really meaningful games. Let's go. Let's, let's have those expectations and not shy away from them one bit. How has this improved your, um, your ability to partake in, office banter now that the bills are uh, a bit more respectable. I imagine it was a, a bit of a, a punchline for a while. It was, it, you know what, Matthew, you're hundred percent right. It was like, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, that's right. Kev. That that's cute. Now it's like, Hey man, you guys really are legit and it's awesome. You know what? And it's like, it's, it's in a, you know, being on the baseball set here, um, I feel like a lot of ways we're like the San Diego Padres in that we're a really exciting Team. This is a really exciting team that obviously, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're pulling for the Cowboys. But hey, man, what the Bills have going on is pretty neat. And and so and and certainly if you're a diehard fan like I am and many of us are, um, it's it's the fulfillment of a long time. And there, there was, you know, listen, so many lean years and so many times where it was not always easy to be a Bills fan. And um, I'm just so excited that we've got stability um, uh, you know, like, like from the center on up, right. So you got that, the, 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 the front office and the head coach and the quarterback and key pieces of the offensive line. And like, that's how you win. That's how you build in the NFL. And I'm just so elated that we have finally, after a lot of different people in those places, we finally settled on some key, key people. Who is the worst to deal with 
on the ESPN campus when it comes to uh, either when your team isn't playing well or their team is, uh, is good? I thought you were just going to leave it at who is the worst to deal with on the ESPN campus. <laughs> because that could have been a long conversation, Tim. Um, you didn't sign a waiver when you came on here. I can ask anything I want. This is true. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, who, who's uh, – that's a really good question. Um, you know, generally – you know, generally, like – Generally, Cowboys fans can be a little tough. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that there's. Well, all right. Wait a minute. Anyone who's a Patriots fan, okay? So that's the answer. Anyone who's a Patriots fan, um, just given how much success they've had uh, over the past twenty freaking years. So, so that's the short, That's the easy answer. Anyone who's a Patriots fan. But I think outside of that, and even and even with New England and the unbelievable run of, of of success that they had, which you have to respect, even if you're a Bills fan, um, I don't know that there's anyone that's just that's that's terribly obnoxious. In fact, I think that there are a lot of people who have emb- who have embraced me, knowing what a diehard Bills fan that I am, and and that they're genuinely happy that hey, you know what, this guy has been there through thick and. And a lot of things. So I think they're genuinely happy. I can't, I can't give you a great answer. This is a terrible answer. But, um, but it's kind of true that there's like, there's no one who's really insufferable. Yeah, I wanted to hear like Scott Mampeld is just, uh, is, t- is, uh, is a, 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 a bad winner. Or, uh, you know, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of who's, who's, uh, who's revered there. Uh, yeah, uh, Hannah Storm is just too much <laughs> to take. <laughs> no, it's really, it's not, you know, it's, it's not like that. Um, I don't know, who's Van Pelt like? I don't even know. Is he a Ravens fan? Maybe I guess being from the Baltimore area. Um, and, the, and, you, and you know what? Some, some anchors are very good at being like, you know, impartial or, or, not. and that's a funny, you know, that's a funny thing too. It's like, that's what you're taught when you're, when you're in the media, you, you shouldn't show your allegiance. You've got to be, you got to play it cool. You don't want to show any bias. I love showing the fact that I'm a Bills fan. And it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't take away from how I cover other teams, obviously. But if I can get out there and say I'm a Bills fan and the people know about that, I think that that, I, I hope that that sort of adds to uh, my credibility as a sports fan first. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Again, there's, there's no one who's really insufferable, more so baseball. There's more behind-the-scenes people who are Red Sox fans who are intolerable. Uh, that, that I can tell you for sure. But for, among anchors, there's no one that I've got a real serious rivalry with. I'm sorry, I can't give you a better answer than that. Your Bills fandom, uh, there was some plausible deniability built in over the last 20-some uh, years or whatever it was because uh, you could go several shows and never mention the bills because yeah. they wouldn't make the show. They wouldn't make the highlight. Yes. They'd be on the NFL show or, you know, obviously if they played uh, the Patriots, but there were so many years that it, that a jets bills game wasn't even going to register. Hey Tim, guess what? That that's um, not the highlight portion of that, but newsworthy stuff. It's it's, I don't know that that's entirely not the case. Even now there are teams who resonate on the, on the national level. And I think we all know who they are and they will always get top billing. Um, 
I said the other night, hey, are we doing anything about the, the stadium stuff? Goodell talked about it. Well, we didn't have time for it. Okay. Um, uh, you know, whereas if that's Lambeau Field or someone else, of course we're getting to it. Um, but it, listen, um, that's, that's how it goes. I will tell you this. I will certainly tell you this. From a highlight perspective, the Bills are making the show. Uh, and, and, and winning earns you that much more respect. So, so on, on, like Dan Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky is a guy who I'm sure all of you know, like you want to talk about good teams in the NFL. He is more than happy to talk Bills football with you because it's the case. So again, you, you win a little bit more and you become a little bit more relevant on a more frequent basis. I think that that, that, that respect will come. What's it like for you to do a highlight of a, a good highlight of a Bills game? Like, do you, oh, it's awesome. do you have those um, moments thinking back to like growing up root for the team? And then now on the, the biggest platform, you know, somebody in your profession can have, you know, kind of sharing those, sharing those moments that way. Matthew, that's a great question. And you know what? So because I gave you such a weak answer on who's tough to deal with when they're rooting for their team, who's great to deal with as a fellow Bills fan is Chris Berman. And I'll tell you that growing up, we watched NFL primetime during dinner every Sunday in, in season. And I, I identified with Boomer because who didn't, but also because he was a Bills fan. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, so am I, you know what? And it was great to hear someone on that kind of a, a level, um, you know, who, who was speaking about the team that I loved. So I've done shows. I've never actually anchored a show with Chris Berman, but, done shows where I've tossed to Chris and, and TJ. That's been a dream come true. Um, uh, to be able to talk Bill's football in the hallways with him is a dream come true. And yes, of course, to be able to do a Bill's highlight or a Bill's segment uh, uh, or, you know, or whatever it may be on Sports Center, it's a dream come true because, because guess what? There's not another anchor here who, who's got the depth of, of fandom and knowledge that I do when it comes to it and is excited or is disappointed, um, depending on the outcome of a game. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a ton of fun. You, you mentioned that, you know, certainly, you know, coming through this business, there's always that idea of like, oh, you've got to be impartial and things like that. What do you think it adds or – is it, was it kind of a conscious decision going into it? Like I'm going to show this part of me, even if yeah. I am doing bill segments and things like that. No, no question about it. And you know what? I'm a diehard Yankee fan. It's a little less palatable for the audience. If the guy who's a Yankee fan, the team that's won 27 world series championships is out there pounding his chest as a Yankee fan. Cause the Yankees are good all the time as a bills fan. I think it, I think, uh, though it is totally authentic, I think it adds to the authenticity of like, that guy really is a fan, right? If we know him as the Bills fan, the, all the years they've gone six and 10 and seven and nine and been irrelevant. Um, I hope it adds to the authenticity. It is authentic. It's obviously, we talked about it. I mean, the OJ Simpson jersey and the Joe Ferguson figurine and all that other stuff. It's who I am. It's the team I root for. It's the team I care about. Um, but hopefully if anyone is paying that close of attention, which is probably a little bit of a leap of faith to think that anyone is that concerned with who the hell Kevin Connors roots for in the NFL, if anyone is, hopefully they respect that authenticity. What are your thoughts on this, uh, 
it's not just recent. It's been going on all summer with COVID and the Bills. Their outspokenness, uh, Cole Beasley and John Feliciano to a lesser extent, but some prominent players, Josh Allen really casting the first surprise with uh, his response uh, on Kyle Brandt's podcast a couple of months ago where he seemed noncommittal about uh, a vaccine and put everybody on their heels. And now we have players uh, who have to be away from the facility for five days. Your thoughts on it, I guess, from a journalist standpoint, but also as a Bills fan and your concern that this could be something that impacts their season. You know, it stinks that anyone's away from the team. Um, and certainly the Bills are not the only team in the NFL, but they're one of the elite teams that are seem to be dealing with this a little bit more. You know, the COVID thing is, it's just so tricky. Um, Tim, here's how, here's, here's what I'll say. Um, I'm vaccinated. My wife is vaccinated. When it became available here through work, I signed up right away. I signed my mom and dad up for their shots independent of ESPN when they were living on Long Island right away. Uh, I believe in it. I know a lot of people who I respect um, and like a lot who are good people and intelligent people who have made the decision not to. Personally, I'm not one to say you gotta do it. I, th- I read something from Jerry Jones who said, um, I'm going to butcher what he said, but it was something to the effect of, um, you know, everyone has a right to, to, to their own decision when it comes to their health until it starts impeding on other people's health. So, you know, I mean, um, I guess that's generally how I feel. And so, you know, is, is it disappointing that every player on the roster um, has not been vaccinated given the risks associated with it? Sure. Am I going to say, you know, damn Cole Beasley because he, he, you know, listen, I guess that's his decision. So, um, so I guess in general, that's how I feel. Are the Bills a better team when Cole Beasley's on the field? I mean, you know, are you kidding me? Of course they are. So, yeah, you'd like to see all these guys back and all on the same page and all um, healthy. So uh, is it disappointing that we're in this situation? There's no question about it. How much, from a national perspective, do these issues with the Bills and vaccinations and COVID resonate uh, to you and ESPN? I'd say not yet, Jonah, but that's a good question because it's gonna, if, 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 uh, you know, if it's a factor this year, right. I mean, if, if Deion Dawkins is not playing at um, the level that we saw him play at a year ago or, or two years ago, and you know, it's like, well, guess what? There's a reason for that because he had COVID and he, and you know, that, that impacted things. If Cole Beasley misses time. Yeah, it, it, it will be. I think right now it's probably a little under the radar because we're just trying to wrap our arms around so much in the NFL, but there's no question if, um, if it becomes an issue, it's going to be a far, far bigger issue on, on a national level. There's no question. How does it impact your, how you view these guys through the lens of your fandom? When, you know, off the top and throughout this, we're talking about this exciting season that they're about to about to start. Expectations are sky high. And really, the way they're penetrating through on national news at times is because of this vaccine and this issue that, that some of their players have created. Yeah, again, I mean, it's so tough to me because 
as I said, I got vaccinated. I wish, um, I wish everyone did, but I'm also respectful of if you have a, if you have a, a good reason and you didn't go that route, um, to a degree, who am I to say? So I, I wish for the greater good that everyone did and that we could put this in the rearview mirror. Um, how, how does it make me feel about those guys at such a time? I don't, I don't have, I wish they'd get on board. I wish this whole thing was behind us. I wish we were just talking about, you know, wins and losses and, and who's the next opponent. And, um, because here we are, you know, I mean, God, this team is, is there. And it's like, and so from that perspective, you know, I, I feel the pain of, of, uh, you know, of, of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and any fan, you know, who's been through the, the, the tough times and here we are, let's hope it doesn't impact things. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Do you have a favorite aspect of this team? I'm not, not, I don't mean necessarily a player, but is there something about this team that, that gets you most excited on, on game days? I just like how a lot of it, um, you know, has been, has been homegrown, so to speak, you know, drafting Josh Allen, drafting Deion Dawkins and Tremaine Edmonds and Tredavious White. And like, yeah, in the NFL, that happens more than in other sports. Certainly not, you know, baseball, you go out and if you're a team like the Yankees, you can go, you know, grab guys. You don't necessarily have to bring them through your system, though it's, it's helpful. I mean, in the NFL, it's a little bit more how you do draft, but I like that element of it, you know, and then of course, listen, Stefan Diggs to me, um, you guys know as well as anyone, I mean, the impact that he had on the team last year, I I, I don't know that it was uh, as much credit as he got. I don't know that it was enough because I just think that he was so good. I mean, you throw it in the vicinity and he's catching the ball and that makes Josh better and it makes, Cole Beasley better and it makes Gabriel Davis better. And, you know, it is possible to be great and underrated. And I think Stefan Diggs falls in that category. It's true. I mean, you know, and so, and that's like, when you get someone who's that great of a player, that's the effect that it has. And so, um, I, you know, again, I, I just, I like the fact that, you know, we got Sean McDermott and, um, and he became this, coach he wasn't an established guy we sort of he we we took a chance on him and he became that Brandon Bean you know wasn't an established general manager uh um uh uh Brian Dable who I mean you you know you watch Mitch Trubisky throw the football like you think Brian Dable's going to be a hot commodity again next offseason um just that fact. So, so from that perspective, of course, individuals, I have favorite players. We can talk about that if you want to, but I think just the fact that a lot of it has sort of been guys who we have developed and gotten to this point and, and seen them come to fruition. I think that part is, is, um, is one of the more special aspects. Among your favorite players, is there one that would be maybe a surprise? I mean, Josh, obviously I had the opportunity before the draft, uh, that he, what was it? 20, what is it? 2019. He was in the draft, 2018, 2019, um, 19. Okay. So 18, we're sorry. Yeah. So before that draft, it was like two days before the draft. Um, I had the opportunity to do a talk back with him. And of course we didn't know where he was going. And I remember talking to him at the end after the interview was over and we were done recording. I was like, Hey, Josh, you know, 
love to see you, you know, in a Bills uniform or something like that. And I think he was like, yeah, yeah, you know. And then the fact that it happened um, is sort of a neat little little tie. So, yeah, I mean, he just seems to me to be everything you would want your franchise quarterback to be. He's bought into the, the city and the culture of Buffalo. He's He has, though he is handsomely paid, seems to have made some concessions to the what's good for the overall uh, health of the team. Obviously he's one of them. I like Tremaine Edmonds a lot. I, I, I really, I, boy, I, I get on social media and I see some people who are down on him and I'm like, really? I, I, you know, I, I think he's a stud. Um, he had a rough start. He had a rough start to last season. But Tim, you know, and again, you'd know better than I, like how much of that is it a product of um, the interior of the defensive line impacting sure. his his position like now that everyone's back are we going to see who Tremaine is did he have to make up for certain deficiencies in the defensive line which is part of playing professional sports I get that but I just like I know some people wanted to punt on him and I'm like really Tremaine Edmonds like I think he's part of the solution in a huge way so so uh, Tremaine and Josh and Diggs would be the three guys for me so no surprises right Sorry, Jonah. No, it was a throwaway question asking who his least favorite player was. <laughs> That's not a throwaway question. It's not a throwaway question. You now have to answer it. Least favorite. Oh, my God. Um, and it has to be a starter. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't have a least favorite player. Hey, you guys are going to get. I, I didn't expect here. you to Come have on. that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who can help us win, you know what? Talk to me after a loss, and I might have a dog or two. We can I was get to. I was just going to go with the old dead air trick and make you it just. I wasn't just going <laughs> to talk and make you fill the space with something. Uh, a, a John Sawatsky uh, trick. Nice, Tim. I was going to say, you guys would probably be, you guys would have the way more interesting answers than I do because you cover the team. I'm just, I just get to sit back and watch and evaluate. Again, after a loss, I could probably say, are you kidding me? Levi Wallace can't cover a, you know, a, a whatever, you know, but right now there's no one on the team who, I mean, I, I, I root for the team to be successful. And if you can help us win, man, I'm your, I'm your biggest fan. Tell us about uh, your role in Madden 22. Uh, my son has downloaded the demo already. I'm sure we'll nice. be getting it when it's uh, when it's uh, available with immediately. Or I think we're probably a part of some. Level. We'll even get it. A Isn't day it or out? Two in Is it out? It's out. Oh, it's oh. out. Oh, well, then we probably oh, yeah. already have. Jack's it. already got already. it. Check your credit card. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> He's downloaded it, I'm sure. Um, tell us about your role in this. Uh, you do some podcasting. You're getting on my turf and I don't like it. I know, Tim, and you know what? I shouldn't have even brought it up leave now. This because pod, the, leave this podcasting stuff to the people who need it. You know, this is, <laughs> and I don't want expect you to comment. I don't, but it's like OnlyFans taking away, you know, certain aspects. I need, I need this. <laughs> That's coming I back, though. This. I need this income. That's right. Jonah's right, by the way. This is huge breaking news for a lot of people <laughs> who are into that stuff. I think OnlyFans is, is reevaluating its policy. Um, yeah, so the the opportunity, my my then agent a couple of years ago um, said, hey, would you have any interest in doing stuff with a video game? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I flew down to Orlando, did a uh, tryout for 
um, an NBA game that they were working on, didn't get the gig, um, but I guess they felt I wasn't terrible because a year later, another opportunity came up. They said, we don't need you for that, but would you be interested in this? And I said, yeah, sure. So did a year's worth of stuff for that. The game never came out. And they said, well, we're not going to do the game now, but would you be interested in doing something for Madden? Huh? Yeah, of course. I'd love to be a part of that. So last year I did uh, the play-by-play of the high school component of the game. So you do face of the franchise, you create your player, and you can retrack your route to the NFL. So you can play with Tim Graham or Matthew Fairburn or, or, or Jonah Bronstein, and you can create your guy, and then you can relive your, your days at you know Polk High School. And, and I was the guy who was saying, hand off to Graham, right side, it's a five-yard game. Um, and so that was last year's game. This year's game is more of the podcast role. I see the Matt's brain working over there. We can get into that in a second. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that I know exactly what Matt's thinking about right now. Uh, well, go ahead. I didn't yeah, know so, this existed. This part of the game existed. Yeah. So this year's game, it's the same thing. Like you create your player and your play this year's though is more about the NFL game. So you're playing a game and you finish week one if, with the jets and, um, you know, it's, it's uh, the guy who you created is the quarterback and he throws for four touchdowns and you hit that first week one post uh, uh, portion of the game. And it's like, here I am having a podcast where I'm saying, boy, did you see the, the game that, that the, the Jets rookie had this past week? He's, he was on fire. They really got that pick right. And it was fun doing it. Um, it was a totally insane experience given COVID Uh Previously, when I was doing this, I was flying to Orlando from the EA studios, recording it there. COVID happens. We got to figure out a way to make the game. They shipped me equipment. I set it up in my basement. I recorded it in my basement. How they made the game over the past two years is an incredible story, given all of the limitations with COVID. But it's a blast. it's been a blast being a part of an iconic game like that. Was there a player named Danny Boyd uh, involved in the high school version of it? Does that ring a bell at all? No, it does okay. not. Well, he, if there was, thank God, because if I would have put in my name as the name of the player that I was on, then I would got, I've got, would have gotten derailed. Uh, I would never have made it. I never there would have been no five yard podcast. gains. <laughs> there would have been no five yard gains. No, there, uh, it's an, it, it's not an inside joke because it actually happened, but there was a guy, a guy named Danny Boyd, who, uh, there was a young Tim Graham who was always the first kid picked in his gym class and, uh, you know, his neighborhood, uh, football, baseball, basketball star. And then he got to ninth grade and the varsity team uh, at Wyndham High School. And uh, Danny Boyd knocked the pride out of him for about 15 years uh, before I finally realized that I wasn't worthless. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so when you, as soon as you, I've told this story to Matthew uh, a bunch of times and uh, Jordan Poyer, in fact, he asked me after Jordan Poyer hit Isaiah McKenzie yesterday, if that looked like Danny Boyd. And I said, no, no, Danny Boyd would have gone through Isaiah McKenzie uh, and uh, come out his sternum and, and through his spine. But uh, anyways. Wow. So Poyer knows about Danny Boyd. But, well, he, he reenacted Danny Boyd yesterday. He doesn't know. And any, any time, any time somebody gets the snot knocked out of him, it's Danny Boyd versus, versus a young Tim Graham who, who thought he was, thought he was something on the high school gridiron at, uh, at Wyndham high and uh, was told, was taught otherwise uh, in very gotcha. crude, 
very crude fashion. So maybe I need the Madden game to go back and, and I could use it as some sort of therapy. Brother, you can relive it. You can you can create your own Danny Boyd and have him get sacked. No, for f- 15. <laughs> oh, yard I, I see. No, no. Well, it's not Danny's fault. Danny was a nice guy. You know, he just knocked the piss out of me on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, get your revenge, Tim. That's all right. This is a safe space. You can knock the piss out of Danny Boyd. <laughs> Speaking of being your high school hero, you actually did it at college for your letterman on the Ithaca mm. College basketball team. Uh, I always, I do though uh, understand why it's always mentioned as four time letterman or four year letterman. I did see the stats. Um, yeah. So we, you know, I was looking for, you know, I'm, well, how many times did he maybe lead him in assists or, yeah. you know, did he, is he on the thousand point club? And yeah. then I saw the stats. So uh, four year letterman at Ithaca. Right. Or the Ithaca Bombers. It was, we were the Wyndham Bombers. Maybe there's some sort of kismet here. Um, but tell me about uh, your basketball career at Ithaca and how that has impacted your, your career. Tim, I must say, I didn't need you to deep dive into my career statistics. Well, I'm, an, I'm a researcher. Up here. I'm a researcher. Yeah. Um, there were games where I led the team in assists. I could probably, uh, uh, Hobart in 97, I led the team in assists on the road in Geneva. Um, you, you know, I was, um, I was probably, uh, I was probably Tim Graham at the high school level, uh, in terms of basketball ability. And then I met my daddy Boyd's at Ithaca. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, uh, it was, it was, um, I've answered that question over the years like this. It was a tough experience at the time. I was a, I was a, I was a good high school basketball player for my area on Long Island, um, which is to say I was a good high school basketball player. College was, a, was, was an adjustment. My freshman year was a big-time adjustment. Um, I think I probably warranted more time over my sophomore, junior, and senior years. But I'll tell you this, and I have the prism of 25 years to look back on and, and speak to my younger self and say this. Um, not succeeding to the level that I had hoped made me a tougher person. And it, it, it helped me in this industry because you don't always succeed to the level that you want to or think that you should. And um, <clears throat> it was tough to go through at the time. It was, it was a, I still keep in touch with a lot of the guys who I played ball with. So I have a lot of great uh, friends who were, who were teammates it was not the it was not the 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 happy ending thousand point score led our team to a league championship that I had hoped, but it was it was a really good life experience for me. Again, learning how to deal with adversity. So I don't have any. I mean, I guess at the time I had regrets. Looking back, I don't. I don't have a ton. It was it was. I'm proud to say that I played four years of college basketball. Was never good enough to play like at Syracuse or anything like that. Could I have walked on at the D1 level? Probably, but. Um, but look, man, I mean, I got the opportunity to study uh, something that I've made a career out of at Ithaca, one of the best, in my opinion, communication schools in the country. So to be able to, to, to look b- back on it and say that I have any regrets would be stupid. What about the big orange basketball camp? What can you tell us about? Two-time MVP, Jonah. Are you kidding me? That I'll brag on. Um, yeah, man. I, you know what? Diehard Syracuse fan growing up, went up there every summer and, and, you know, played at the different levels. And yeah, I won MVP at the NIT level, which was like, whatever that is, I don't know, 
nine to 11. And then at the next level, the never won the NBA MVP, but I did, did compete against John Wallace when he was there in, in high school and um, probably a couple of other guys who played uh, college ball. So yeah, I, that if you were talking to 13, 14 year old Kevin Connors, there was nothing like that week at Big Orange basketball camp. I lived for that every year. What uh, you, you mentioned uh, guys that you went up against at that camp. That's got to be pretty heady, though, to be a, especially as a young kid to be, you know, even if I, I don't know how involved Jim Bayheim is in these camps. Sometimes they pass through and they wave or something. But to be in that setting surrounded by the other really good players of your age, your peers, and not only holding your own, but but obviously playing very well enough to be an MVP a couple of times. What's that like to be because that's especially in the 90s. That's when high school kids, it got vogue to, to jump right to the NBA again. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant and Lamar Odom and Tracy McGrady and all those guys. I know that's a little later. That's probably when you're at Ithaca, but still. That's a pretty heady time for to be a really good young teenage basketball player. I appreciate you saying that. Again, I want to make it abundantly clear. Um, I, I was, I was, I was a nice high school basketball player. I was not a Division One prospect um, at all. But you know what it was was like you you get to see, hey, this guy John Wallace. He, there's a reason he's going to Syracuse. I mean, he was a different level of player. I went to five-star basketball camp going into my junior and senior year. That's, a, that's another level up from Syracuse basketball camp. And yeah, you're surrounded by guys who are really good players. So it was, you know, it was a reality check. It was, that's how you get better as a player as you play against better players. And it was a, it was great exposure to what it was going to be like at the next level. And, and then certainly in some cases against guys who I never was good enough to play against, but um, I, you know, some of the happiest moments of my childhood were playing basketball. It's all I did growing up. So um, I've got nothing but super fond memories of those times. And um, uh, God, big orange basketball camp was, it was great to have some success. I look back on it now more as a, you know, I was the MVP of the, well, who cares, Kev, but um, it was neat. I, it was, a, it was something that I'm, that I'm uh, have, have very fond memories about. Tell me the story when you were at Ithaca, and the PA announcer got ejected uh, from the game. <laughs> Gino? <laughs> um, Kevin, you know, here, take a look at my shirt. That is amazing. That is amazing, Tim. Now, if you can tell people who that is and why he's famous at Ithaca. So Gino Bona was, was our PA announcer, and he was buddies with a lot. He, Gino was, I think, like maybe two, three years older than I was. And um, he was like opera man. He like he was like, you know, he 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 was like a like a great singer. But I think I don't know if he ever like really seriously took it seriously, but I think he was a really good singer. So, yeah, he was our PA guy. I, I got to totally. Be, I don't remember why he was ejected. Though. I don't know that story. I don't, I don't remember that story anyway. Well, I was just told about it last night by his brother, John. I happened to be at the Amherst Pizza and Ale House. Yeah. Uh, with some wings and uh, a lot more beers than wings. And uh, I heard the story that he was, he said something into the mic. Oh, there was a technical I'm... and an ejection and everybody was looking around like who's, who's ejected, meaning all the players and the coach, the coach thought in the PA announcer, he's got to go. 
But I, that boy, doesn't I, ring a bell, huh? I so vaguely remember that. I just remember Gino as being such an awesome dude. He was like he was like the the really cool dude who you wanted to hang with. And then the fact that he was our PA announcer was fun, and that he had a great voice too was awesome. But I, I gotta, I'm I'm letting you down again, Tim. I don't remember that. It's story. All right, we'll we'll fill it in on a later episode. It gives us another <laughs> uh, another excuse to talk about Amherst Pizza and Ale House. Yes, joining a great up place. A, joining up as a sponsor of the uh, of Tim Graham and Friends. Good to hear that they're Brought kicking it a little dough. Yeah, we're gonna. Well, you know, Pizza there is dough, anyways. There is a form of compensation uh, involved uh, from Amherst Pizza Nail House. May not be a financial transaction. Allegedly, You're, what? I'm sorry, Jonah. So there's allegedly compensation. Oh yes, we well allegedly. Maybe I'll go tonight and find out. Uh, exactly how much I'm going to get compensated or how soon uh, the compensation will begin. Um, Kevin, uh, your thoughts on a stadium. I mean, you're, you're from Rockville Center, uh, Nassau County. You know, uh, I know that you didn't grow up going to whatever iteration you want to call it. Um, Rich Stadium, Ralph Wilson Stadium, now Highmark Stadium. Um, are, you de- are you detached too much to care about the stadium aspect of it, but it is a, it is a hot topic right now. Yeah. Look, you know what? Um, Nothing is forever. Right. And, and by today's standards, Highmark stadium is an old stadium. Uh, As a, as a taxpayer, not in New York state, but as a general taxpayer, is it crazy the amount of money that goes into these stadiums, of course it is, but you know, it's, it's the, the cost of doing business. And um, do I want the bills moving under any circumstances, which was never going to happen. Um, but do I even want that specter out there? No. Do you know, do you need a new stadium? Is it going to attract a Super Bowl? Probably. Is it going to be the cost of being in the club, which is the most exclusive club in football that only 32 cities are a part of? Yeah. You know, so to be able to tell you, like, do I think that money could be better spent than on a football stadium? I mean, as a human being, probably. But, you know, you want to you want the team. That's what you got to do. And um, and again, what, what, what was Highmark Stadium built in, what, 73? So, yeah, I mean, 72, I think 72. So by today's standards, it's a it's a dinosaur. So, yeah, you probably do need a new stadium and. People were people here have been asking me, hey boy, the bill's moving to Austin. Like, no. So there'll be it'll come down to the wire and it'll be some, you know, the state's got to come up with this and the county's got to come up with this and the Bagula's got to come up with this. And eventually we'll find common ground and we'll build a new stadium and everyone will be happy about it. And or you won't if you're not a sports fan, and that'll be that. But yeah, do I think that there'll be a new stadium? I mean, you guys know better than I do, but I'd be stunned if who do, you, you think you want to be the politician that lost the Buffalo Bills? Like, I doubt it. This is a business question, but it's probably a journalism question, too, uh, as gambling becomes more and more uh, a part of sports and the leagues are adopting this as a as an economic engine. You know, they're putting in the rules. They've, they're embracing it finally. How do you think that changes? And I, and I know it already has, but w- what do you see this moving forward from your job as a sports center anchor? When I was working uh, at ESPN, now I know that this wasn't a company-wide rule, but from my boss who oversaw the NFL writers, we were forbidden from even mentioning 
uh, gambling, any reference, whether it be a point spread, an over-under, a total, none of that. We couldn't, a daily fantasy even. We couldn't talk about it. We couldn't write about it. Uh, and now it's on the ticker. It's, you know, Bad Beats on Scott Van Pelt show. It is, it is a, it's a reason to talk. It's a, it's a, it, it in and of itself. Uh, how, how has that been for you in, in transitioning from forbidden to kind of being all in on it? It's such a good question because we, much like we were in the sort of, um, not the beginning of the UFC, but like the beginning of the huge popularity of the UFC, we are in a lot of ways half pregnant. Like we have gambling specific shows and gambling specific segments, but we're partners with the league. And so when I'm reading a full screen graphic on SportsCenter about Super Bowl odds, I can't say the Bills have the third best odds to win the Super Bowl, according to Caesar Sportsbook. I've got to say Buffalo, because the oh, league... Oh, no, I never noticed that. Anytime you watch, you'll never hear the team name. It's the city. Um, and it's because, it's because the league doesn't, if you're ready for this, doesn't want to associate with gambling in that vein. But of course it does. And of course it exists. And again, we have all these shows. So like, as we become more comfortable with it as a society and in sports, it's going to be, and the Bills beat the Jets 35-17, covered the spread, but didn't hit the over. That's going to be what it is from now on. And there'll be so many more of those elements. I mean, guys, watch a regional sports network now. Watch a Yankees game or a Sabres game or whatever. And I defy you to hit a commercial break and not see a gambling commercial. They're everywhere. You, they're, you know, within game broadcasts, they are. So on the dasher boards at the, uh, in the NHL game. You can't, get, you can't get away from it. On the outfield wall, um, yeah. And that'll probably even itself out to a degree – but I think it's going to be part of the overall stadium experience moving forward. Um, it, to, 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 put, to boil it down succinctly, Tim, when I started here, it was no one talked about gambling except like, hey, who do, hey, who do you like tonight? Not on air. No one talked about it on air. Now we have shows about it on air. It's a, it's a pivotal point of our strategy moving forward. In, in 13 years' time, that changed. It's incredible. How much – you mentioned that, the Madden stuff you're doing. How much over the course of your career have you had to adjust, pivot, and kind of reinvent yourself or, or with how much the industry has changed and how much SportsCenter has changed, how much ESPN has changed? What's it been like kind of navigating that and just, you know, kind of – pivoting with all these changes that come up. Matthew, as you guys know, if, if you don't do it, if you're not nimble, um, you're in trouble. And I have gotten into doing play by play, knowing that um, I want to be as versatile as possible to be as valuable as possible. So if you need me to anchor sports center, um, I think at this point I've got that tool in my bag. If I, if I don't, after 13 years, there's a lot of people who have some, some explaining to do. Um, 
I think I've got the ability to host, whether it's uh, halftime of, of a college football or basketball game or do studio updates from a major league baseball game. I think I, you know, I've, I've, I've do baseball tonight and other studio shows like that where you're involving analysts play by play. I, I think you've had to, I think that um, once upon a time, it was like, I had a boss who um, you were either this or this. And I think that those lines haven't been blurred. They've been eliminated. I think if you're, if you're not able to do a lot of things, unless you're Stephen A. Smith, who is able to do a lot of things, you're in trouble. Uh, I think, I think you have to be able to, to be nimble and, 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 um, and diverse in what you can do. So, yeah, I mean, you know, most of my work is as a studio anchor, but I've taken on play by play and studio show hosting because a, the opportunities have been there in some cases I've had to go there. Um, but I've also seen that that's where you better go. So Big time, Matthew. I mean, I've, I, I think that I've adjusted. How well is probably up to the individual viewer, but, um, but yeah, I th- it's, and it's probably true of everyone in the media industry on the whole. Jonah well, and you're, I, here, you're here oh. on Tim Graham and Friends, so you've obviously thrived <laughs> in all of your different roles. So exactly. Say. Thank you for noticing. You don't get to this point without some you know, high, high degree of success. Right. Uh, Jonah and I both teach uh, sports journalism to uh, college students here in Western New York, uh, believe it or not. Uh, what, I guess, so this is fascinating to me because I always like to know how it works behind the scenes because they ask me these types of questions. And you're talking about learning on the job, all these different things. Obviously, it, in college, and, and you pick things up as you go. Yeah. But at a place like ESPN or wherever you would be, is there coaching that goes involved or any kind of on the job training from people when you, or do they, is it, you have to jump off the end of the pier and they put you on a show and we're going to see if you can host with a couple of analysts. Um, what's the, what's the preparation like? Yeah, I think it's been more Tim, more of the latter, um, you know, and there's, there's um, it was, I guess a little bit to my surprise that there wasn't a little bit more of a, um, let's grow this individual. Um, but maybe someone would say, well, you know what, at a place like ESPN, you better be, you know, if, if, if you're not there, then uh, someone else is. Um, so there is not necessarily a program or an individual that shepherds you through, um, you know, the, the choppy waters or, or this has not been my experience. Maybe it's true for other people. But what I've done is I've sort of um, at times reached out to people who I respect and admire and have a relationship with someone like Steve Levy and, um, you know, watched how he's gone about things, asked him certain questions about, you know, how he mechanically, how he does things on air um, and try maybe try to adopt some of those things. But no, there's no, there's, there's not a pro again, not for me. Um, there's not a program or an individual who pulls you in and says, Here's the way that you want to get from point A to point B. For me, it's kind of been um, pursue opportunities when they're there um, or maybe find opportunities when others aren't there for you and, and do the best you can. 
Well, Kevin, this has been enjoyable. We're, we're almost at an hour here and uh, way longer than I uh, thought we would stay. Um, but uh, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, I'm, I appreciate it. And um, we did talk bills a little, I guess. A little. Uh, it was a thread, but we, we, we hit a bunch of topics and it's nice to, to, be, a, to be a good uh, member of the AF community. I will wear it as a badge of honor, Tim. Uh, by the way, Nagandi and Sal Palantonio when the Eagles are doing well. That's oh, the answer. That's, I could see. I could yeah. see Sal especially. Yes, it's taken it's kind me of tough to take minutes. when he's talking about other things. <laughs> he's well, when it, but the but he's a little tightly wound and, sometimes. Yeah, the Eagles that that gets to be a lot. So that's probably the the answer that we've been. I should have had that forty five minutes ago. But um, but he's a former Eagles beat writer. He's a former. So he he shouldn't have that fandom. Well, that's my question. Is that what are there more? Uh, is the television personalities are there more people who are openly fans of the teams or more that say I'm a journalist and I shouldn't root for the teams? Oh, I think I think you know. That line, too, has sort of been blurred over the years. Like, at first, it was like, no, you never can. And then you sort of do a little bit. Like, give me a break. We're human. You know, I mean, I'm not going to read the Patriots highlight with the same energy that I am the Bills highlight. I'm just being – I'm not going to shortchange the Patriots, but I'm a human being. Um, and I, th- I hope that the viewer enjoys that part of it. So, I think a lot of people show their fan. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I was joking around about Nagandi. Like, he's a huge Philly guy. And you know what? Those are his teams. And so people, he's on the Tim Graham Philadelphia podcast and they've got him on. And you know what? They're, they're talking <laughs> Eagles football for an hour. So, and people actually listen to that one. The, the AF means <laughs> something different in the Philly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, to me, Philly Tim Graham uh, didn't get tackled hard by Danny Boyd. He got stabbed by Danny Boyd. That is Danny Boyd. Danny Boyd's got the podcast in Philly, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I dig. I, I dig it when people uh, show their fandom, like unless it's totally obnoxious, like that's cool to me. So, um, but guys, I really, I had a blast. Anytime you need uh, uh, someone to kill time, let me know. And um, I can't wait to start talking about actual games because uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be really good this year. Maybe we can circle back around the bye week or something like that and hit the reset button. We can uh, talk about uh, we. You will have a couple of least favorite players by then. Um, there will there will be a couple more COVID outbreaks. Uh, you know, a, a ACL here. Uh, you know, a, a a bad play challenge. You know, going forward on you know, punting on fourth down from the opposite side of the fifty. You know, uh, doing something. There'll be something to talk about. That's the tease. This this was the appetizer. The main course is when Connors goes all in on his least favorite bills. That's the bye week. All right. <laughs> Kevin Connors from ESPN coming to us from Bristol. Very kind of him to do here on Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK. CTBK is more than just a full service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 
630-2400 and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.